welcome to the Intuitive Filmmaker Podcast presented by Black Magic Collective. I am your host, Jen Page. The Black Magic Collective is a filmmaker group created for and by filmmakers with a focus on education, inspiration, and networking at all levels of the industry. Our current webinars not only work to achieve these goals, but also promote inclusion throughout the filmmaking process. Uh, also, really quick thank you to our sponsors, Black Magic Design and Sigma, for always supporting us independent filmmakers and all the crazy things we do, like this podcast. Uh, Again, I'm your host, Jim Page. I am a uh, director myself, and I'm so excited for today because it's day three of our five film team talk series. And today's film is The Cypher. And I have to tell you guys, I watch a lot of short films. I've done a lot of film festival programming. And this film is so good. You have to find it. There's a reason that it was selected as a prem to premiere at the 2020 Tribeca Film Festival. The part that gets me stumbled up and I can't believe it is it's a student film. It does not look like that. It's fantastic. Uh, it's about basically with his reputation and a potential record deal on the line, Khalil confronts his opponent, Young Reap, and defends his secret during a freestyle competition. You got to I'm going to show you the trailer. Let's let's show you the trailer. Solomon, director. Wes, I'm going to say this wrong, Wes. I'm so sorry. Wes, I want to say all Kuabi. Correct me when you come in. He's the writer. Ben Corey Jones, executive producer. Ann Brashier, producer. And C. Craig, producer. Welcome, team. Welcome. Wes, just go ahead and slap me and tell me how you say your last name. <laughs> no worries. It's a Kuobi. Uh, it's a little simpler than it looks, yes. Well, it's funny. I normally ask that beforehand, but we were just enjoying, like, talking about all the stuff. <laughs> I right, just totally right, forgot. Yes. <laughs> no problem um, at all. Well, I'm so glad you guys came here. I really love this film. It's so powerful. It's got messages just all over. Like, there's just, like, messages sort of hitting you in the face, but without you realizing they're all hitting you in the face. It's fantastic. Um, another quick thing on this for me, most shorts um, are always missing something, story, good acting, uh, good cinematography or something, and you guys have it all. So with all that said, and this being a student film, what? I want to hear the story. How this come together? How did you guys come together? Uh, maybe Wes even start with where did this story even come from? Um, sure. Uh, so I grew up in Queens, New York, and I grew up on hip hop music. I feel like if, when you're from that region of the city, like that is especially just like in sort of like the black and Latino areas of, of Queens, like you really are brought up on hip hop and it's just like really ingrained in our culture. And so I have been a lifelong, you know, lover of the genre. And I really just kind of wanted to tell a story that explores, you know, the ideas of, of queerness within the hip hop space. Um, it's just something that you know, as I continue to grow and, and come into terms with my own identity, it's something that I always kind of wondered about and wanted to explore. And just, you know, as we're taking in 
so much of what's going on in hip hop and and then what's how the landscape was ever changing over the years and things like that. I really kind of wanted to to explore, um, you know, the conversations that I felt weren't necessarily being had in the space. Um, and so that was kind of where the inspiration for the short came from. So um, what came first, Latia needing a film or you writing a short? Me writing the short came first. It was always, it was kind of a, it was an idea I had sort of, you know, growing in my brain for, for, for years before I actually wrote it. Um, and it kind of came time at, at, at our place at USC for us to, you know, submit to, to be selected uh, for a particular uh, short film competition in the form of a class where, you know, you have to put up your scripts uh, to be selected and shortlisted to be produced and then uh, directors and other crew kind of assemble after that fact. And so after, you know, putting my script up in the running, I was able to talk to Lutia and we had been friends for such a long time prior to that process. And um, I just feel like she fully understood what I was trying to do with the story and she had her own personal connection to it. And it really was just like the most organic and, and best possible match. And I'll let her talk about what it was from her perspective. And I could see that because Latia, I tell you, I, I honestly, and this is, and I, I'm still blown away that you're a student at USC or you were, I'm, are you still at USC now? Uh, I just graduated. Just graduated. I yeah. just, I've never seen a, a student film that I thought was this amazing. So what, what drew you, you to the script? So, well, first off, the landscape and the environment that Wes created was already so vivid and so beautiful and so complex and nuanced. I immediately was drawn to it already, um, and especially the hip hop piece as well. And then, um, so I have like dear family members to me that, um, you know, are a part of the community and have, I've witnessed their journey and witnessed their struggle over the years. And just this, this, this um, topic of self-acceptance is huge. Even as an African-American woman, I know what it feels like to be marginalized. Um, and so to have the mix of all of the intersectionality of all these this, you know, facets of this young man and him not feeling comfortable of knowing how to navigate different spaces, that's something I wholeheartedly identify with. And um, there's hip hop and it's <laughs> dope and it's cool and it's a vibe. So I'm like, I love filming anything with the vibe. Um, and after I sent him my director's reel, we just merged. And then um, I attached, you know, Anne, she has a background in theater and she fell in love with the story as well. See, Craig is a hip hop head. <laughs> so they were down for the cause. And then we just kind of formed together and pitched in front of the student and faculty. And with this class, only three films are selected every semester. Wow. And so um, it's the same class that Ryan Coogler took when he was here at USC um, and Stephen Cable Jr. So it's like, it's, it's, it's more of a studio kind of system versus the indie um, yeah. way to matriculate out of the program, which is interesting. I mean, you, there's different ways you can graduate, but um, this one- I actually really more. love that because yeah. one of my biggest problems with film school is that, you know, you pay a lot of money and then they're like, okay, birdies, go fly. Mm -hmm. I love hearing that there's sort of a way, it's because for me to, to not only wa watch you make a great film and to, to hear about the success you're having, but to hear that it came from sort of this program that sort of helps helps you move along in your journey, gives you some light. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to hear from, you know, the producers, like uh, Ben, I mean, you, you're executive producer, right? So like, what made you decide to do this? Yeah, I mean, Latia and I, we, we're friends. I'm, I'm actually friends with her brother and friends with her as well. So I mean, she hunted me down, basically. <laughs> I did, I really did. I'm not kidding. Uh, no, to self. <laughs> um, but 
and you know, kudos to her. I mean, because she, uh, I mean, a lot of the work that I've been doing as a TV writer, as a, as a filmmaker, as a film producer, has been to promote black voices, has been to promote black queer voices. Um, and so she knew that, you know, this film would, would, would resonate with me. So she literally just kept calling me until I answered the phone. Um, and I, I have to say that um, before I even read the script, Latia, I mean, uh, Jen, you talk about how what, what is on the screen is so immaculate. The way Latia pitched me over the phone, I could just hear the passion and the, and the intention and the integrity behind it. And like, I, you know, I work with people who've been in the business for years and years and they, they can't pitch like that, yeah. you know? So the fact that she was able to articulate to me just what her vision was, was incredible. I was already sold and then I, I, I read the script and I must say that anytime as a producer, if it's not on the page, it's not gonna be on the screen. Right. You know, so with Wes, it was already on the page. Uh, and so that kind of alchemy, you have to sort of like grab onto it because it doesn't happen all the time to, to find like a director with the passion and to find a writer where it's on the page. Like we, did, we really did no rewriting really, right? I mean, it was, it was already there. And my job as executive producer was look, just to promote these, help support these young voices um, I try not to get in their way. Whatever, whatever industry expertise I had, I would just offer it if they needed some advice. You know, because a lot of times the real filmmaking comes in the production and the editing and, and how to spend your money, like what parts on, on the production to spend your money on, what parts to not spend your money on, how to navigate actors. It's just all these very specific things that I was just there to be a sounding board and to help raise some money, you know. Uh, yes. That was crucial. <laughs> and I, yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, the thing about Ben, too, is it's funny because in the beginning, I was like, honestly, you know, you don't have to do anything. Can you just endorse the film? And <laughs> he was like, um, sure, but I actually want to help. And that's something that was incredible and invaluable. And to this day, we just, we were just, oh, we just were blown away by how much he was in involved. So he would sit on the cuts. He would come to set. He would like, you know, give each of us our own little advice in our um, disciplines based off of what he knows in the industry. So it became a mentorship instead of just an executive producing type of connection. So that's something that I would say helped and transformed the film and, and you know, made it whole. I, I'm literally getting tears in my eyes and like, I have like these flutters. Like, I really think there's something here, you guys. Like, we, I'm gonna, I just feel it. Like, Latia, you're next year you're going to be making a studio film like you know like i just there's i can feel it i'm getting like my arm hairs are standing up there's something so special happening right now pandemic be damned right and and c craig what are some of the things that you did as producers to make sure that this was a successful film and you take that <laughs> that is Please. like the most secret thing. Great. Um, I think, well, we, you talked about, I mean, you've just met us, but like what it is to assemble a team that brings all of their heart and passion and experience and diverse experiences to this film and like all of their strengths and all of their integrity. That was a big part of, I think hopefully what C. Craig and I were able to help um, Latia and, and Wes do is put together um, from our cinematographer all the way through our camera department and our gaffer, our sound team. Yeah. I can't, we'll talk about our sound team. I feel like that'll be a separate discussion. Mm -hmm. um, our first assistant director, who also lended a lot of uh, lyric advice. You know, yes. Ben's right, we didn't really change 
the core of the story, I think, um, went through a lot of like pulling apart and investigating how to really tell the story um, with the most integrity and as close to Wes's original intention um, as possible. And I feel like there really wasn't a ton that changed in terms of what I think drew me to the script, this really, really condensed, tight, um, it's over one like 48 hour period. You really get deep into this one man's journey. Um, you see all the different parts of how he's pulled in different places in his communities and the way that his communities intersect and overlap um, and finding his way towards self-acceptance in this real um, sense of immediacy. And I, as Lucia said, I'm from theater. I come from like a dance background. So I'm a sucker for a battle, like if you, <laughs> like a club scene with a battle I'm in. Um, and so I think for us continuously checking in on what brought us to the film, what kept us passionate about telling that story, um, so that in every little decision, we could really hold up the integrity of what Wes had written and what Latia's vision for it was for. That's sort of like uh, honest, continual, <laughs> felt like sometimes I think T. Greg and I were like just on phone calls nonstop together. For, yeah. Uh, was, yeah. <laughs> I 1000% agree for, for me, it was always the, the outlook of, uh, we had a lot of moving parts with this film, right? And especially for a student film, right? It was, it was much larger than uh, a lot of the other things that were being done. So we had to kind of, uh, on the producing side, we had to make sure that it didn't become overwhelming to any one part of the thing and, uh, and being as diplomatic as possible to get the things that you need done and, and, and working mm -hmm. all of that out. It, uh, that became the bulk of at least uh, what I was doing for sure. There's so many parts of this film I want to d dissect, um, but really quick for those watching, please put uh, your questions in the Q&A box. Like we want to hear you from you throughout. Uh, where do we start? Um, I want to start with casting because there is not a bad apple in this bunch, at least as far as on screen, who knows about off screen, but <laughs> where did, how did you cast? Did you go, were there anybody students? Like I want to hear about that process. Ooh, was anybody a student? No, no, yeah, no one was a student. It was a long process, so we, we saw yes. a lot of people. Yeah, it was over 300, right? Wow, and, that's commitment. Yeah, Anne Love was it. incredible. Um, she like helped organize all the talent um, along with, we had, associate, we, had, we had four associate producers that also helped as well. And Ben, I mean, that was traditional, that was incredible because we didn't, we were talking about trying to find a casting director but it, it just didn't pan out with the budget that we had. Um, and like C. Craig was saying, you know, the uh, magnitude and the scope of the project is like, all right, do we spend money on the casting director or do we just do this ourselves? And um, Ben came along and he also helped as well, you know, just post on his social media and people just kind of flooded in after that. Um, and yeah, we've had conversations with different celebrities and things. And, and finally, we just have to figure out, okay, who's going to capture the essence of the, the Khalil where he can be aggressive and he can also be vulnerable mm -hmm. right. and, and he also we need to see him physically and mentally and emotionally change depending on what spaces he's in and so when Nigel Cox came through the door he just kind of blew <laughs> he just blew us away <laughs> and and I'm a I'm a very hands-on director so I will press I will challenge I will get in your face or I will um See, you know, what, let's talk, you know, let's, let's go there. We're talking about masculinity. Like, let's dig deep and see and, and pull back some of your own personal experiences to, to make it authentic. 
And so I, I did some acting exercises with him um, and had him repeat lines. And, um, I, and I told him, so I'm going to push you. You know, are you okay with this? <laughs> and he said, yeah, that's fine. Um, Nigel came in like four times. Yeah, we did an extensive casting. Um, because it's, yeah. you know, I did a movie recently too where the, the, we had a cast pianist first because they were going to play live, actor second. So you have that same issue where you have to cast somebody who can rap and also can act. Right. So that's like a whole nother layer. Right. And some of our cast members, some of them actually did rap and they freestyle. For instance, O'Shea Neal, he's hilarious outside of being Young Reap. But um, he played the antagonist Young Reap. Um, he, he actually, you know, raps for real. And Nigel's actually seen. So we just have to kind of find his voice through the rapping and, and you know, add the uh, theatrical element to uh, the cypher and or the rap battle type of environment. So, and then Kiki, which is played by Carice Brooks, she just, she's just a natural, she's also a dancer as well. So she's danced for Rihanna, Chris Brown, like she's already out there, but she's dipping into the acting world. Nelsie came from New York. A lot of them actually spent time in the East Coast. So that's how we were able to still get that um, East yeah. Coast feeling while we shot here in, in LA. Um, and Juan Gill, he is Dominican, which is great. So he added like, and he also spent time in the East Coast as well. So he was able to infuse his, his um, background. I would say the really interesting part about casting a queer movie that involves people of color. Uh, we did come up across many people who did not want to touch the role. Right. And that's important to say because we knew we were kind of up against the hill with this and, um, you know, we just knew that it was going to be a struggle to find good Black actors that would be comfortable showing intimacy with another man on screen. And this, the, that, that, that uh, pushback and the conversations I've had actually fueled me even more to tell this story. And that let me know that, oh, okay, it's making you feel uncomfortable, good. Because let's talk about that and let's figure out, well, why? And maybe this is a lane that we need to explore and it's time for us to actually discuss and open up and, and you know, tread these waters, so. Yes, for sure. I, I will say this was, the casting process on this film was a huge learning experience for me just because yeah. Throughout my time at USC, for any film that I was writing and producing and directing on my own, it, it usually was about the queer Black experience. And so to do those, you know, short films before we had the sort of support and infrastructure that we had for this film, uh, and working with obviously a lot of sort of like first time and more green actors, I had an incredibly difficult time casting anybody to play those roles, you know, and so I had just become accustomed to like having to make certain concessions in, in order to tell the story that I wanted to tell. and. I feel like in the casting process in this film and, and specifically with Ben's support and, and, and his encouragement and, and the way that he, you know, reframed the way that we were thinking about this casting process really reminded me that we needed to be very unapologetic in our approach. You know what I mean? Like this is a story about a queer black man and like what that looks like in the hip hop space and, and all of the, the different nuances and challenges that come with that. And so our actors need to be able to reflect that and like have an appreciation for that experience um, you know, whether it's their lived experience or not. And so at the beginning of the process, I was kind of like, you know, maybe it's just the best, best actor for the role. Like we just kind of need to figure out like who's going to really bring that grit, you know? Um, but as we moved on in the process and did encounter some people who were not comfortable, um, 
uh, just like learning from Ben and, and, and having him as a mentor on this really kind of reminded me the importance of, you know, not settling for, right. for you know, and, and not putting ourselves in a position where um, the, the process of making this film is going to be difficult, you know? Um, and so I, I really have taken that with me just in, in terms of every, anything I approach as a creative now and, and telling these queer Black stories, like really leaning into the fact that we're just going to have to be very real and honest about like what we're portraying and everybody involved needs to be on board with that. Right. Okay. And then I think, I, oh, oh, I just want to say, um, and that's okay if people didn't, if, if they weren't comfortable with the role, we just had to come to the conclusion that, oh, this film is just not for them. Right. And maybe they're not our audience. And go ahead, C. Craig. Oh, no, I was just saying that, like, but once we got the team, like, the team was, like, together instantly, right? It was, like, everybody vibed, but we just had to get the pieces together, and it's, it's going to be the same for, for everything, but that was the extra piece to it, to get over that uh, one barrier uh, that people have, have made for themselves, right? So, and once and, we got through it, it was cool. And in my, you know, in my experience, I have to give a shout out to this team, because they, they work really hard, because... I mean, Jen, you know this, it's important to create an environment of inclusion all like 360 degrees for the filmmaking process. Because if you have, I mean, I've worked on projects where, you know, everybody's not on the same vibe, on the same wavelength. And I, I guess one thing that I tried to imbue to the team was, yeah, we can cast someone who's very tepid about the role, but that'll, that'll permeate throughout the whole set. You know, and I think we want to create it. We want to, and I love to work on projects where it's a fun environment. And I think you have to make a decision very early on that not only are you gonna work with people who understand the project, but you're gonna work with people who still have the same type of heart and energy that you have. Cause that, I mean, you know, Jen, you mentioned about what is on the, what is on the screen is a, is a factor of, of everybody being on the same mind, mind, body and soul, really. You know, there was nobody on, on, on cast, on production, who was kind of iffy or who was kind of, like everybody was 100%. And, and I have to make that point because when you're making a film, yes, you want to make a, a great story, tell a great story, you want to make a great visual, but you really want to work with great people that can, can really uh, imbue that, you know, and that's what makes a great film. No, for real. Um, before we move over to casting, Alyssa has a question. She wanted to know if you could tell her what casting site you used, if you had a preference. I know actors ask this question a lot, where should they be? Did you guys use one in particular? Yeah, you want to yeah. take that one? Yeah, we were predominantly using um, breakdowns, so through Actors Access. Um, honestly, a huge shout out to Ben and and also to Latia. Like Latia, I don't know if she's mentioned it yet so far, but she has an acting background and therefore is pretty connected to the acting world in LA. So I think she was able to pull, you know, get a lot of connections through. Um, people who are taking acting classes with friends of hers. So I think for any actors out there listening, like be in class, be in class, be in class, um, take on projects so other people see your work, even if they're small, um, you know, it is a network and that only happens when you're participating in it. Um, and then another shout out to Ben, cause it, it was really, you know, C. Craig and I had the gargantuan task of filling these, um, big uh, <laughs> dance, these big dance halls, this big rap battle um, with contestants and making the, um, all these scenes with bigger background um, feel alive. I'm like, background on a student film where you're not getting paid? That is a hard ask. Um, not but to mention, we had the fires. We had fire. The, the California fires came oh, in October shit. of 2019. So it cut, one day it cut our background in half. 
Oh yeah, some people were evacuating and yeah, it was, I mean, you're never gonna- I was gonna mention, let's, I'd love to move into the music because there's a lot to tackle there. Um, but I did want to mention that one thing I always look for, you know, as when I'm watching these films as a director's eye to learn from other directors, it's like, how did they pull off a crowd scene? Because we never have enough money in independent film to do that. And I was going to say, I thought you did that very well, very cleverly, that it always felt full and alive. Um, I was looking for the tricks and it just, it didn't bother me until I went, wait, how did they do that? You know, like I didn't <laughs> notice it. Because sometimes you'll notice it. Like you're like, oh, this is, like I have a film in my, my last film too, where it's like, we didn't have enough people. And it, Every time I watch the scene, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, shout out to our production designers as well for being able to like work with, I mean, the intersection between our lighting team and our production design team where we had like grips and RPAs moving and moving lights and fanning fog and like really helping us fill out that space visually. Oh um, I think they did like a fantastic job. Yeah. So um, music, mm -hmm. uh, did, every, did people rap live? Was it all pre-recorded? You know, how does the process to even get those wraps? You want, you want, you want to take it? You want to take Who wants it? to take it? Secret. I mean, see, I, like, yeah, secret, let's let you take no, that. It was, it was obviously a, a huge part of it. Uh, like the lyrics were a, a constant ever evolving thing. Nick Brooks, uh, who was also the AD, yes. stepped in to, to help uh, uh, rework some of the lyrics with that. And, and he was fantastic on that. Uh, and we, we had to do two different ways, right, Latia? It was, uh, we did playback and we also did live at times. Yes, and so, because if they perform live, if you think about it, you have to capture their performance from different angles, they're gonna be exhausted. And again, some of our characters, or some of our actors can actually rap and some of them can. And even the people who can rap, their voice is gonna get tired after a certain while. So most of it was playback. And what we did is we had to kind of ramp up once we realized that, because we even had to work with our USC faculty to kind of figure out a game plan of what to do. Uh, and then we had to kind of push our rehearsal times earlier. I had to have extensively like long rehearsal sessions, four or five, hour, five hours to get them comfortable with the lyrics and then comfortable with their hand gestures, lock that in, record it. I'm sorry, record their voice. And then on set, we have to actually um, lock in some of their gestures at certain bars. So if they make a certain joke at a bar, Gorilla Glue or things like that, if his hand is in his face, then we need to ha have his hand in his face from the other angles as well. So there was a lot of coordination and choreography that was uh, predetermined beforehand, but we also still had to make it seem and feel organic on set as well. So there was a, it was a technical challenge, but we all kind of, he is we, meticulous. It was moments like this where I'm like, the level of this is not a student film, like the level by which everyone performed, the level of excellence was just, it was mind blowing to me. Like, I didn't know all this when I was making my first film, you know. So the fact that like Latia and C. Craig and, and Anne, like they all figured this out, like I was just, I'm just blown away. I'm just happy to be involved, really, you know. <laughs> Yes, and we, I mean, you know, we're grateful for you. And I just, I just need to make sure that, like, every single person on our crew made this happen. So, and we Absolutely. checked each other. So, like, we had a team full of all-stars. So the DP, Basil Schneeberger, was amazing. Our editors were amazing. Our production designers were amazing. And everybody in our sound designers, we had two of them, were amazing as well. Each person, when we have our production meetings, and Ben has sat in on a few of them we would always talk about story. So each department would always 
lead with story in mind and we'll check the authenticity for of each other we'll check like the way i wanted to shoot it i was challenged quite a bit and beautifully and wonderfully because that helped me grow as an artist and um i think we all we like vin said we were all on the same wavelength and we all want to make the same film and make it beautiful and really just be truthful truthful to khalil's story so that's that's really what you see yeah. Well, so Chris Edgar and in the audience, who is actually my composer of almost everything I do um, and songwriter, asked about the live music. What you know, if you not the live music, the original songs. So how was it getting the raps? Were you involved in that process? Um, any of you, uh, Wes? I would, were you involved in it? Yeah, I mean, so I, I mean, I'm I'm not a rapper. I don't consider myself a rapper, but I uh, had a little bit of background in like spoken word performance and stuff when I was younger. So, and you know, obviously listening to the genre my entire life, I kind of had an idea of, you know, what I wanted to to sound like and what I wanted to be, and the different voices between you know Khalil and Reap. And so I, I had written lyrics in the original draft um, that were you know a little bit softer than what we needed them to be. <laughs> Um, but Nick Brooks, R.I.D., who we talked about a bit now, like we really worked together in crafting what those final lyrics would be um, and really kind of, you know, lyrically coordinating the beats of the battle and, and how to really lay the groundwork for what needed to happen, you know. And so it was really great to have him on board because he is a musician. He's a, he's a dope lyricist and he's somebody that very early on, like, one of the, the very first crew members we had to come and champion the film and really want to be a part of it. And so it's been really great to be able to work with him um, and continue to kind of, you know, shape everything in a way that not only feels organic and, you know, true to the form and realistic, but, but even more sort of like elevated and more intense. Uh, so he, he really brought a lot of that. And we as a group, like our entire crew, as even in our early table reads, we would all discuss the lyrics and mm -hmm. what was landing and what <laughs> he, like pumped up. And, you know, it really was, everybody was very into it, you know, and that to kind of echo what Lucy was saying earlier, like the support and, and the passion for the project up top really came from um, people wanting to see this battle play out, you know, and so that and, and, and what the implications of that were for Khalil and I feel like everybody had their own opinion of what should happen and like how Khalil should fire back and it was like it was such a, an interesting process with the lyrics to kind of see like what people really were responding to and what they wanted more of and, and we kind of you know led with that and, and followed that instinct and, that's and great that's and then great. were you did you have a, did you want to know about the uh, compose like the well, well, well actually say for music wise we had our composer Matt Head um, and Ben brought him in from Atlanta who's amazing so he's done work on Greenleaf and um, P-Valley, a show that just came out on Showtime. So we just, yeah, we had that as well. A lot of magic around this film, a lot of great stuff, but I really wanna move into some heartbreak because this year, a lot of filmmakers have had the biggest heartbreaks of their careers. Um, I know filmmakers who were supposed to get their final, have their big Southwest by Southwest feature premiere and South by got canceled. Um, all of my, my film took three years. We waited forever for our festivals. They're all canceled. You guys get this amazing student film and one of the biggest festivals in the world, Tribeca Film Festival. Tell me before we knew it was canceled, what was that like? Like, was there, were you guys floored by that? Or were you like, nah, we expected that. Like, we're that good. <laughs> like, what was that experience? <laughs> the good part of it. Let's look before the heartbreak. Yeah, I want to take that producer, uh, <laughs> Wes. Wes, you go ahead with that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't even really know where to. 
it was, I would say, you know, from the, our initial screening at USC, that was the first place that we had it at, at the end of the production. And um, that was the first time we kind of got to see it, you know, up in front of an audience. And the response for that was tremendous and like more, you know, favorable and, and passionate than anything that I could have expected for the film. And so I would be like, at that point in time, I was just happy that people liked it. I was happy that they responded to the story. Like, I was happy to see this queer Black story getting such a, you know, a, a strong reaction from people. And I wasn't even thinking about festivals at that point. You know, it really came to um, when we had that conversation with our producers and, and talking about where we wanted to see the, sh the film go. Um, I, of course, we're always hopeful, like we always want to aim for, you know, like the best festivals possible. But I, I remember Latia giving me that text about uh, Tribeca and being completely <laughs> like blindsided. I was like, I wasn't prepared emotionally for that. And like, it was- Was, it the, was, was there sobbing? Cool. I want to know if there was sobbing. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it was sobbing, but it was, I mean, it was definitely- It was screaming. I know um, I was on the phone with C. Craig screaming. I know that. <laughs> she gave me a hard time because I, I, I tend to be like, oh, no, you know, it, it, this is what's coming, right? Like, the work was put in, right? So, yeah. like, I'm just if, like, if the work is put in and, and we saw how people uh, responded to it and I had a chance to, to be in the mix and see everybody on the team give their heart every single day, right? And it was so it was like, all right, well, put it out in the world, no matter what happens with it, we know that like energy is transferable, right? And we were able to see that energy to be transferred to the audience and we're like, okay, so we, I, it wasn't as though it was like, oh, well, we knew it was gonna happen, but like I knew something great was gonna happen from it. I love that. I, I, uh, when we screened it at USC, I remember calling Tia, I mean, look, I've said it in a lot of screenings of my own work and, and other people's work, that kind of crowd we, reaction that we got after the first screening, I, I called T, I was like, that doesn't happen every day. That doesn't happen all the time. So I, I kind of knew that we were, we were gonna get a big festival because of the <laughs> reaction. But again, like you, you make a film, but you never know how people are gonna respond to it. And to see that room, like they were not, they were not silent throughout the whole film. They were, they were yelling, they were, they were cheering, they were laughing. And again, to get, that's what you want. You want your audience to, to be engaged vocally to the film that you're making. And what, when we did that USC screening, I knew that like, this was gonna catch a lot of festivals. So then you get Tribeca, it's all amazing. And then the apocalypse happens right. and yeah. it's canceled. So obviously there's a lot of disappointment when that first happens. There's a lot of trying to figure out, you know, how to go on with your life in those moments. But once you got past the, the disappointment you guys just sort of took off again in another way what did you do what how did you come together and make a plan and what was that plan Latia was like we're going <laughs> <laughs> we by ourselves <laughs> look you know i would but uh, <laughs> uh well there's a lot of prayer involved okay and tears but i think m my biggest uh, disappointment was for the cast and crew because I just felt as though, oh, you know, yeah, sure, this could be a good thing for me as a director, great. But I felt like it's them that matters, you know, because I know everybody put in a, hard, a lot of hard work. And I just would love, it would bring me joy to see someone want to talk to the PD, want to talk to the DP, like, yo, how did you shoot that? Like, and make those connections, I thought was, or even with the cast, like, you know, for them to, you know, fly and take off for other projects, 
And so without that uh, interaction, that part was a loss for me. And they kept, you know, messaging me and everything. I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't know, I don't know. And, and one good thing about Tribeca is that they were very, communi they communicated very well. So they always kept us in the loop, even if they didn't know exactly what they were going to do, they right. would let us know that. Right. And so um, after what a few weeks or so, they finally went virtual. They told us that they were going to go exclusive. And at the time, we weren't sure if that's going to be a good or bad thing because South by Southwest was public, which I kind of, at first I thought, oh, that's great. You know, people still get to see your films. But at the time, I didn't quite understand the, uh, the exclusive factor where it still makes your film have uh, a demand because it's not public right. and so and also I was like okay well are, are people gonna watch it like are they are we gonna get eyes on it and this press this uh, company London Flair PR a press company reached out to us and they offered to uh, represent the film and the money I was like okay <laughs> what they were charging, I was like, oh my God, this is, I don't know. I don't know if I should pay this much money for it. But I think at the time I talked to producers and tried to figure out and weigh out my options. I went with it and I did work with them. And, I, and actually, let me tell you what I did. I, I stalked their page and looked at <laughs> other filmmakers that they worked with. Smart. And their films went to the Oscars. So wow. I DM'd those filmmakers. One guy's in Ireland, one girl's in uh London somewhere I DM them got on the call with them and went and asked like you know hey how was your experience working with this company they they had a great experience so I moved forward and that's pretty much I would say what really turned the flow of our success because we got to, we reached I think we connected with about 35 different press outlets so we have articles and the buzz, we, it, that created the buzz for us. And it actually sent people to our films through Tribeca. They only played it for a month. And then from there, that's then when we got CAA Mobius into their short, short film showcase. And then from there, it's just kind of like the buzz keeps going and going and going. And I think, you know, everyone wants to be a part of the next big. You know, well, I mean, I'm sure thing, C. Craig is like, well, now we have to go to the Oscars because. <laughs> you know, I mean, what else? No, what's I, next? I, I asked. I was like, "Hey, like, you know, we submitted right now." But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know, there's not a lot of like short films. It's hard. Short films are hard. I mean, yeah. programmers are inundated with literally tens of thousands of short films every year, and most of them are terrible. So the fact that you're having any success at all, I think, is great. I do hope that now we start seeing um, doors opening for you for meetings. Um, and if they aren't, I'm starting to program Black Magic Collective next year that you need to be in because I'm going to help work to get doors opened for feature directors. All right. All that said, um, I don't want to not get these audience questions and we're like running out. We have so much to talk about. I don't have enough time. Um, so let's do quick answers to the audience questions so that we can uh, do our final intuitive word. Uh, Tiffany, um, it, maybe it just two of you take some quick advice for Tiffany. What advice do you have for future writer filmmakers to emerge into the industry. I think you've given a lot of tips on like making a great film, make sure you cast it well, do the PR, do your research. Is there anything that maybe might've been left out that you guys, that comes to your mind? Um, I mean, just, just, you know, find a great team. Like if you're a writer, find a great director and you two just kind of like bang out some stuff together. If you're a producer, find a, find, it's like, 
writers should be finding directors, directors should be finding producers. Like you don't have to wait for the industry to tell you to go look, go look into a producer. I mean, like find, find your tribe, find people. Like you don't, you don't need a whole bunch of things. Just find people to work with. Like writers should be finding directors, directors should be finding producers. Watch and, and, uh, and respect old films, right? We don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's been plenty of people trying to tell the truth and their truth for a very long time in cinema. Find that, like find a, a, a communion with that and then like put your own perspective into it. Like it's a collective that we do here and we shouldn't ignore filmmakers that came before us. I would say trust, oh go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go, go ahead, Anna. Well, I was just going to say trust in the things that make you passionate rather than trying to follow a market. Like, I think that's, that's something that everyone on our team over and over again recommitted to and I think have also individually committed to on other projects that we're all working on is what it is to really, you know, when people talk about finding your voice, what that really, I think, means is like being honest with what you're passionate about and what keeps you excited about doing the work, even when it's hard, um, rather than trying to figure out where you fit. Um, I think that's going to be successful in the long term. Um, I have a million other things listed on my questions for you guys that we're not even going to get into because I want to make sure we get into um, our card. So basically, normally on my show, I'm with one person and they shuffle the deck and they pick a card and we see where the conversation takes us. Uh, so, Latia, I'm going to shuffle. I'm going to tell you, you just say something. I'm nervous right now. Like, <laughs> who is, who is this? <laughs> They're just words. You get a word, you don't, it's, it's actually kind of interesting what, what ends up happening. Um, but. You just tell me when you feel like I should stop shuffling. Stop. Okay. We got the word mistakes. What comes to mind for you guys when you hear the word mistakes? <laughs> I think this is also where, where filmmakers really benefit from your stories. And it doesn't have to be about this film. I mean, we know this one was perfect. Nothing went wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I will say as like the one Caucasian person here, I felt like I was constantly making mistakes and had to be very, very um, honest with, you know, things I, I didn't know or things that were new to me. Um, I'm not even as deeply enmeshed in hip hop as everyone else on this team was. So being like really willing to just admit when I was wrong or when I'd done something dumb or ignorant or, you know, even potentially offensive and like the openness of my team to call me on it and be really upfront about that. Um, yeah, that's, that I think was deeply valuable and a big part of why I was on the, why I wanted to be part of the team. Yeah, I think that's important though, always, you know, yeah, like cool. always be, even if it's not like always being open with your team is such an important uh, rule to have. Even if it hurts, like let's just just talk it out because otherwise you have people in the background who start to get the negative energy and they're it's like just say what what's going on and then we're done with it in two minutes. <laughs> right, I have one. I, I, I was mistake or anything, but I, every every project that I've worked on, we always have this big discussion between: do we go after name celebrities? Do we go after um, like you know spend money on a casting director and stuff like that? I mean, I I, I always have these same conversations. And what really it all boils down to is like, you don't, if, if, the, if the story is there, if the directing is there, you may or may not need a star. Like that, those things just really don't matter all the time. But I, I find those, that those are conversations. And a lot of people get hung up on, I gotta have a big name. I gotta have a big star. I gotta have a big this or a big that. And 
it's a mistake that I think a lot of people make when they, when they spend a lot of effort trying to go after names, I would say. Yeah. No, that's really smart. Um, yeah. And then from a, um, yes, from a directing perspective, there was one time that, man, uh, the crowd, so capturing the crowd. So thank you for what you said earlier. That took movie magic. Um, it took a certain lens. It took the gaffing. It took the PD. It took sound design to make that room feel full. Like that was something we had to actually like really pull together as a team. And I think in terms of mistake would be to go back and make sure I uh, budgeted it in enough time to shoot those crowds in a way where we can actually spend some time with them because the crowd is a society and it's a part of our antagonism in, in the film. And so that's something that uh, my AD, Nick, again, he's dope. And Basil, we had to sit together and figure out, okay, how are we going to shoot this in, what, 30 minutes or less and get all the crowds that we need for the final battle. So we just, just for filmmakers out there, we literally just took the camera. I think we only did one, maybe two takes, long takes. And we just went and just shot the crowd and told them. All in the crowd, too. (laughs) And told them, like, now cheer. (laughs) <laughs> now boo now be you know like give them give them direction and just shot it and we we only had maybe 30 minutes or less so that's something yeah. that um we could have took more time on but we made it work with what we have so yeah well it's always fascinating because i always say this because as a filmmaker especially and producers feel it as well but i think as a director we feel the most about like if an audience is watching something they don't know that you only had 30 minutes they don't know that like someone's car broke down and you had to recast that person all you have is what's on the screen and so like the stress that you get on set when things aren't going well like it's i don't think anybody understands if you're not a director i don't think you fully understand (laughs) what it's like it's like being the mother of a million babies we talked about that on, on the set quite a bit about like, oh, like whenever there was any hiccups, it was like, remember when this screens, everyone will forget this, right? right? Like yeah. when people clap and they're happy about that, it's like all is forgiven, right? Any, any little like hiccups along the way, you know, then you're just proud. Like if we all kind of gel and, and mesh and then it becomes one team again, mm-hmm. even after all of that. So we were kind of aware of that, but. I thought y'all were gonna say the bathtub scene. Oh, <laughs> talk about the bathtub scene. Oh, what is that? You know, the flower. So I was look, the flower. I was trying to get artsy fartsy. And, yeah, I thought I was Barry Jenkins or something. And <laughs> my my producers called me out on it, and they were like, "Nah, you gotta take that out the cut." <laughs> and so, and that's okay. I was like, okay, well, maybe that was a little too much, <laughs> but that. Sure. It was beautiful, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, now you can lead it scenes. <laughs> yeah. More to show. Um, one of the audience members did ask, when and where can they see the film? Well, so, Rob asked. Yes. Um, so we are screening with the American Black Film Festival in their HBO competition on August 21st. So that's their opening night, and they have decided to put uh, the HBO films in the beginning. So, and uh, it it should be open to the public. So make sure to catch that and tune in to ABFF. Follow them on social media. Also follow us so at, at the Cypher Film on Instagram to just stay involved and make sure you, under, you know where we're going with the film. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, Sarab also asked about um, lawyers. Did you guys use lawyers for things like agreements or did you guys just, you know, Google your lawyer, which it often is when we're doing any films. 
I will say that's a big benefit of going to USC. I mean, it's one of the reasons I decided I'd been working in independent film before going to grad school. And I finally was like, I want to go to grad school because a big reason is the institution around USC really does help you. I mean, their festival office has been a really good sounding board for how we should distribute the film. Oh, and great. they have, you know, extensive production agreements with rental houses and with SAG and, you know, take care of a fair amount of like the production insurance and the basics of the finances and getting the guidance that like C. Craig and I got from our producing faculty around, um, around working with the budget. Um, that was all a big part of making this film through USC. That's really great. Cause I, you know, I like that you guys are giving reasons to go to film school. Cause I usually give the reasons not to go to film school. <laughs> so I know this is really good to hear. I'm learning from you. Um, Teresa ha asked if you guys have any advice on producing or creating content during this time of social distancing. Have you guys been able to be oh. creative during this time? Yeah. Uh, Latia and I, uh, and the rest of, uh, uh, team, I'm because I'm in her position now with 546, so I have to make a film during COVID, and it, it and Anne is doing a doc that is also during COVID. So uh, the way that we have to do it is everything is virtual, which is is going to be a lot, uh, but we can't be in the same space with the actors. Everything is uh, we're going to actually be directing through Zoom. Wow. Yeah. So what are you doing about getting like, are you, are you getting gear to them? Are they, are you right. actually filming? So you're going to be telling them how to set up a light and. Yep. And, and do sound and, and gaff yeah. and uh, while getting a performance, it should be the perfect hurricane for sure. But the one thing I think you'll come out of it is at least you'll, you'll be one of the few directors who can say, look, I, I made this great film social distance. So if this continues on through the year, yeah. you're more hireable than the rest I of us. <laughs> and I would say kind of going back to like being really open and honest and communicative and pulling together like a team that's willing to challenge and check each other. Uh, I think in this time, particularly, we all have to be really upfront about consent in a very different way in terms of what is what feels safe. How is everyone feeling? Um, and, you know, I'm sure in the in the casting process, like I'm directing a documentary right now. And so the lines of when do you feel it's okay to engage in person with someone that maybe you don't have control over how much they've been tested or not. Um, being, I think, just really open and honest and trying to stay as informed as possible onto what's realistic, um, that becomes, to me, like a really big factor of, of how, you know, I think Latia, um, as a director, did a great job, and everyone on our team did a great job of, like, handling the project with a fair amount of care for the cipher, and I think being in the situation of this pandemic, that only amps up how much we, we need to focus on how much care we put into the work of being filmmakers. Yeah, I think there's definitely something to be said about, you know, not letting this, this really crazy period that we're in, you know, stifle or hinder creativity and just kind of finding other ways to do it, you know, like, we're like four or five months into this. And I've already seen, you know, writer friends of ours, like the produce entire web series just like over zoom you know and and i've seen some really impressive and and you know heartbreaking writing um from people who are just like getting their actor friends together and having everybody on and rehearsing and just like doing it you know and i i think it's kind of what we learn as 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 filmmakers that are kind of you know just starting out and, and making our way through this business is you have to be kind of scrappy and and learn how to pivot and be inventive about everything and so I feel like this time is no different. You know what I mean? You just kind of have to 
put pen to paper and see what you can make work and don't let the the stress of this time period you know put out your flame i feel like that's a very it's a hard thing to work through for sure like it's a, it's a definitely a challenge but i i've been finding ways to be creative and, and to continue to write and i'm looking forward to see what you all make in these these you know uh socially distanced films and, and what those look like but you know, I think it's going to be a very, very interesting time to look back on just just as creators and what we were able to do in this time, you know. I love it. Okay, we have to wrap up, but I want to have everybody just give one final word, whether it's about the film or anything that's coming to your mind that you want the audience to hear. Uh, ben, Corey, I'd love to start with you. I just want to say I'm just so proud of this. Um, I, I was impressed from day one. Like Latia mentioned, I went to some production meetings, and I just want to, like I told them, Filmmaking, you, you have to create the experience that you want to have. You know, like no one's gonna sort of say like make a film and make it have a great experience. And so I remember telling them early on, create the experience you want to have. Like this is the this is your moment, and every film you make is your moment. And so I'm just incredibly proud of them, and they're all gonna have big long careers, and hopefully they'll hire me one day. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've noticed in this conversation that Ben Corey's riding your coattails, Latia. We <laughs> noticed. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> um, see, Craig. Uh, tell stories you love with people you love. Oh, I love that. Anne? Uh, yeah, work hard to keep your team of awesome together. Les? Don't be afraid to tell stories about your experience. Um, Hollywood is changing, the industry is changing, the stories that people want to see are changing. Um, and so I feel like, you know, it was easy to be discouraged as queer people to, to want to really put ourselves out there, but please don't, don't feel that. Follow the passion that you have and just know that there are people who want to hear the story that you want to tell. I love it. Latia? I'd say you're not going crazy if you think writing or filmmaking is hard, because it is. But just keep going forward, believe in yourself, just always maintain respect and communicate and um, keep a good team around you and you'll, you'll make it happen. You guys, I really honestly think you have, not only do you have something special, but I think somebody like HBO is an idiot if they don't make this into a series and have you create it. So I'm putting out all the happy vibes and congratulations. And I, I am going to watch this through and see how everything blossoms. And thank you so much for being thank here. You. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Thank you, you so Jen. much. And to our audience, uh, as everybody checks out here, um, make sure you check out Black Magic Collective's site. You can find all the events we have coming up. And uh, we want to thank again Black Magic Design and Sigma for always supporting independent filmmakers. And finally, uh, next week's film team talk is with the last call. It was shot entirely, one feature was shot entirely in one single take, no cut. Crazy. Uh, let's show you the trailer as we all leave out. Thank you again for sticking with us for this hour. It's been a lot of fun. You've been listening to the Intuitive Filmmaker Podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts as that helps others find us, which helps us to keep delivering great content to you. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all of your other favorite podcast apps. 